Hello, and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie, and I'm with my sister, Joy. Although not in person, she's actually on the phone. We're trying something a little different tonight. So, Joy, um, I guess you can hear me okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, I can hear you loud and clear. Good deal. So, um, in, for just for those who are wondering where we've been, um, it's been uh, over a month since we've done a blog- podcast, and the last time we did a podcast, it was Dracula, and that was, uh, our October uh, or Halloween episode. So um, we've just been busy, <laughs> life in general. So, but we've got a really good book prepared uh, or ready to discuss, and it's called uh, Stories Behind the Great Traditions of Christmas. And I bought this book, honestly, I've had this book a long time. I don't even remember when I bought it, but um, it's by Ace Collins, and the copyright is 2003. Um, so anyway, the, the uh, tradition, the stories behind, it's the stories behind the traditions of Christmas, and I love this little book. It is so interesting. So I asked Joy the other day, I said, hey, can you just read, okay, so the way it's, um, the way the book is set up is it's it's got um, 26 chapters, and each chapter is a different Christmas tradition, and of course it goes into um, how that tradition came about and gives you all kinds of information about it, and I asked Joy, I said, hey, would you just read a few of the traditions, because I know she didn't really have time to read the whole thing, and then we can discuss it on our podcast, but come to find out, the introduction was so interesting. We decided to do a podcast just on the introduction. Yeah, that's so. And let me ask you this before I say this: Have you read the whole book? Yeah, but it's been a long it's been a long time ago. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, I had the book for several days, but I've just been so busy. But mm-hmm. I did read the introduction. And there was so much packed into the introduction, so much right. I didn't know. And it was, like Angie said, it was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so, like she said, we just decided we'll just do a podcast just over the introduction. And yeah. so much of it, I was like, how did I not know this? Why have I, I never thought of this? Me too. And the introduction is basically, well, okay, this is how it starts. It says, before you wish for an old-fashioned Christmas. And they're talking about how... Today, people lament, oh, I just wish it was more like the good old days, like that, you know, I wish Christmas, I'm sure there was Christmas probably used to be a lot simpler and people focused more on the meaning of Christmas. Well, according to this book, that is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically, uh, well, let me just read this sentence. This will explain it. It says, only in relatively recent times, the past 200 years has Christmas even been celebrated by most Christians. Up until the 1800s, the day recognized as Christ's birthday was largely a pagan celebration. So did that surprise you, Joy? Yeah, it really did. Um, I mean, I know, I, I never thought about it. This is where, you know, you're like, how in the world did I get to this age and never think about it? But I, what I told Angie earlier, it's just kind of like the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Revolutionary War, um, you know, England was defeated, and then you think, okay, boom, we had our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, and we were a country and lived happily ever after, right? I never, until we read, you know, that book uh, about Hamilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I never knew how complicated and how much struggle and how much sacrifice and how much time it took to become a nation. Well, that analogy is what I'm using kind of with this introduction. I never contemplated, okay, Jesus was born. Okay, well, you know, I never thought about, well, how long did it take to have a day to remember him? How long, you know, how many years did it take to get these traditions? Where did these traditions come from? You know, I just kind of think, oh, Jesus was born. Well, from that point forward, uh, we always remember his birthday and celebrate his birthday. All Christians do from that day forward. But that cannot be farther from the truth, like you just said. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of struggle and a lot of stories. And we're talking centuries past Mm -hmm. before what we have today, a reverent day to remember the birth of Christ. And so this this introduction, it literally goes into, it starts from basically just um, after after Christ, the time, time of Christ, basically, and it just goes through the centuries talking about basically how Christmas became known today, how, how we had, the Christmas we have today, how it came to be. And it's really wow. fascinating, very fascinating. Uh, this says for centuries Christmas was anything but a holy day. It was most often a sinful parade of excess, a day set aside for ignoring laws and terrorizing citizens. And those who did attend church did so in wild costumes. And the messages of many priests were anything but scriptural. And gambling was common during the services. That blew my mind. I know. Yeah. The part that really blew my mind was, uh, you know, the Christians that left England on the Mayflower, you know, the Puritans came over. You know, Karen, we'll talk about it just a little bit later. I'm kind yeah. of going okay. in order of, of the, what happened. Okay. Uh, but, yes, that part was probably the most interesting part to me. So, so basically. odd Christmas, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in just a second we will. So, But what the beginning, though, talks about. It was just, it was really like, that sounds kind of like Mardi Gras. It was just these drunken celebrations. And it always revolved around like the winter solstice. You know, whenever um, the Romans and Greeks, they would mark the winter solstice. And uh, it would be just a week long of of self-indulgence, basically. Right. So, oh, and this was interesting, Joy. Uh, Do you remember the part they said it took uh, over 300 years for the church to decide on a day in which to even honor Christ? Yeah. And I always knew that there was no way we could know the exact day. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. once again, this shows my ignorance. Um, I just thought, okay, well, you know, the astrologers, uh, the scientists of today are able to follow the patterns of the planets and stars backwards. And remember, oh. <laughs> we talked about the, the Time Magazine article where they think it was actually two or three planets aligned to make it look like a huge star. Oh, yeah, the Star of Bethlehem, yes. Yes. Well, according yeah. to that article, that's where they could kind of get the date of when he was born, the general date, because they w- they knew when that, those planets aligned to make it look like that massive Star of Bethlehem. Oh, I see. I see. Right. Yeah. Uh, according to this introduction, they said, well, and this is logical, that it had to be at the time of the census. And they said usually the mm-hmm. census in that area was taken in the spring or the fall. Not yeah, in- yeah. Uh, they they said more than likely um, it was uh, taken sometime during the spring. They, but they said most likely it was not in the wintertime that he was Right, born. they said they were absolutely sure. It, not, you know, there's a huge 
what's the word I'm looking for? There's a there's a lot of certainty that it probably was not in yeah. the winter. When yeah. We so, and and the one thing they brought out in the book is I said probably because um, of all this, the way people were treating the holiday and using it kind of as a time to basically just to sin. <laughs> um, they said they they think that this author thinks that the early church leaders wanted a day to counteract those celebrations. Right. And so the early the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year, which was December twenty second, and they think that you know that at that time uh, that's why they picked December. Yeah, I think they were just uh, desperate to stop the madness and associate yeah. Christmas with cross birth and not just a free for all. You know, like just like yeah. you said, you used to go out and party and sin. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let's see. Um, the other thing, um, there's a lot more in here that I'm kind of just skimming through, but um, this, let's see. Let's do talk about whenever um, the uh, pilgrims came over, and they were talking about how the Puritans were like the, I guess, what they say about them? They were like the most, uh, the strictest sect, I guess you could say. Yeah, one of the strictest uh, religious sects, and when it said that they wanted to outlaw Christmas, that was shocking to me, but then when I found yeah. out why, because it was just a day of debauchery, I understood. Like they yeah. said, they would arrest. They they made sure businesses were open. They would even um, arrest uh, people they made against the law to celebrate Christmas. They would arrest people who were doing so. And it sounds so backwards, but it had to be done because they were trying to uh, disassociate Christmas with you know just recklessness and like you said. Yeah. Uh, did you see that part? They, okay, the song. Okay, okay, you know during those those times, those what you're just discussing. You know, it was real common for uh, the lower class people to go to wealthy homes and and knock on the door and demand food or liquor or whatever. And yeah. They didn't open the door and give it to them. They said they would just go take it. And they yeah, said, like literally, it was like lawlessness. It was just mobs. Yeah. Wow, they said the police couldn't even control them, especially. Yeah, and that they just gave up and said, okay, basically. And, and, and the police basically just kind of ignored it and thought, well, there's nothing we can do. It's was kind of like. It was out of their control. Like you get your one day of lawlessness. Yeah, so the song, um, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, because mm-hmm. that's a very, very old song, and they used to sing that in the streets, okay? And yeah. They, and they alluded to the, the, the line that says, we won't go until we get some. Yeah, we bring won't. up some figgy, figgy pudding yeah. or hasty. Pudding or whatever, we won't pudding. go until we get some. Wow, that has a whole new meaning to me now. Yes. Yeah, and that's why, and that, hey, that's a good segue. Um, when I bought this book, I bought another book. It's like a sister book to it, and it's called the, um, it's it's all about the traditions of the Christmas carols and the and the stories behind the Christmas carols. Right. So I hope we get to discuss that someday. But, um, so anyway, um uh, yeah, that part uh, says um, when the, you know when the Puritans came to uh, over here, um, they did outlaw Christmas in the New World, um, and then it said this was funny, Joy. It said, um, but even though it was outlawed, boatloads of immigrants soon overpowered the wishes of the Puritans. Right. <laughs> Anti-Christmas laws. It says they may have remained on the books, but they were soon ignored. And in most American cities, the lords of disorder took over the streets on December 25th. The drunken parties and gang rights grew so bad that in 1828, the New York City Council met in special session to discuss the issue 
and they anyway they it was just really bad they even had to have special meetings about what to do to protect people's property and yeah things. all of that is new to me i had never heard any of that or read any of that okay so then now this next part was interesting to me so you got your puritans trying to you know they wanted people to act like it was just another day you know like don't even recognize it you know because they you know they were trying to just keep it from turning into what it used to be but um they said what really changed everything was when Queen Victoria married her cousin Albert. Okay. Wow, it was German. Yes. So Albert <laughs> was German. Well, in Germany, they actually revered Christmas. Okay. Wow. They did a lot of really neat special traditions that we still carry on today. Well, he brought those traditions over to England, right? Yeah. And uh it says, uh, I'll just read this one part. It says, Albert brought with him the reverent and family-oriented German traditions of the season, which turned Christmas celebrations in Windsor Castle into a family affair. And soon British families picked up on the way the royals. Hey, nothing's changed, has it? No. Uh, watching the royals to see what they do. Uh, the British families uh, picked up on the way the royals were spending their Christmas and adopted the new traditions. And for the first time, Peace on Earth seemed like it had a chance on December 25th in the British Isles. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a very interesting part mm-hmm. of the introduction, that we really have Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. To thank for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're a big reason that Christmas finally got the you know respect it deserved and turned it more into mm-hmm. a day of reverence. And I didn't know that about the Germans. I didn't know that they were kind of the ones at that time who were actually being reverent and not, yeah. you know, um, you know, doing it the way it should be done, you know? Yeah, I think it's, several times in here he mentions America and England were the worst about, you know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, then, and, and so it said that was a very important factor. But then, and, and I didn't know this, but they said the other two important factors, it was like all these things kind of combined to kind of t- turn Christmas into right. It's not just one thing. It's a common It wasn't the one thing. Mm-hmm. But in 1822, that's when uh, Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem. And it was called, well, he he uh, he actually called it A Visit from St. Nicholas, but it's now known as The Night Before Christmas. Well, he uh-huh. he wrote that poem for his family, but but then he submitted it to the newspaper, and it was printed the next year in the New York Sentinel. And um, they said it just became fantastically famous, right? I mean, uh, right. and very famous. And they said... It's funny to say that because in, our, um, in my Spanish classes, we're doing Christmas units. Mm-hmm. And one of the things in their study guide is the night before Christmas. But it's oh. like a Spanish version. So okay. what year was that written again? I'm sorry, what? What year did he write that, did you say? Uh, like 1822. So here we are, 2021, from mm-hmm. 1822, mm-hmm. and boy, what, you know, would it be, if he would have had a clue how popular that poem yeah. was, books have been written about it. I mean, you know, maybe not, books have well, that poem in it, and they're illustrated, and like and I said, I have a Spanish version that we're actually going to look at this week in my classes. That's just so cool that that poem has been around so well, and it just occurred to me just now. I have a. I've been decorating for Christmas all day, and I I have the book. I 
I pull, every year I pull that book out. It's the it's the poem and it's an illustrated book with the poem in it, and it's mm-hmm. on my fireplace right now. The night before Christmas. Right. Isn't that crazy? Hey, I just but, got a great idea for Twin Talk. You should record yourself reading the English version, and I'll record myself reading the Spanish version. And we'll upload them one day in December. Just, oh, cool. Just, okay. But just the, fun. That would be fun. But he, he points out that it says for the first time children were seen as an important part of Christmas, and the door right. the that door was, was open for a holiday to be reshaped into one that children of all ages could view as their own. And have you ever thought about that, about Christmas really mm-hmm. is a, a holiday for children? No, I never thought about it. I never mm-hmm. thought about how everything's geared towards the children. And then, I, of course, this is new to me, too. That's why we're doing this introduction. There are so many interesting yeah. tidbits in there. And, yeah, mm-hmm. that poem, according to this book, is one of the catalysts that got people to shift their attitude and think of Christmas as a children's holiday. Right. Yeah. And then, so the other thing, you you know, earlier I mentioned there was two or three, you know, thing, combinations of things. Well, the other one was in 1843 when Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol. Okay. Right. Ever, ever think that his book A Christmas Carol had really had that much effect on Christmas? No, uh, never. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. And, and they said that... Sorry, I keep bringing up my Spanish classes, but mm-hmm. guess what we're reading in my Spanish for tomorrow? We're oh. reading the Spanish version of A Christmas Carol. It's a real shortened version, and it's so funny. I found it on a website, but they named it Mr. Scrooge. And oh, it's a okay. short story. It's about three pages long, two to three pages long. And what they've done is they've shortened the story down into like two or three pages into a short story, but it's in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so, once again, what year was A Christmas Carol written? I, I, 1843. 1843, and here I am tomorrow in my Spanish board class. We're going to be wow. reading the story in Spanish. I mean, I just love how these stories and poems and songs have lasted for so many years. I just think yeah. that's so cool that they've stood the test of time. They're, they're deeply, deeply rooted in our culture. And um, what's that? about a Christmas carol well I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and let you talk but I had never thought about that that book influenced Christmas yes well and they said that at, so at the time that it was written in 1843 that was right in the heart of the industrial revolution right when everybody was okay well this this part's so interesting I, do you care if I just read this part? yeah go ahead and read it it is good it's very good. So it says, at the heart of Dickens' story were charity, hope, love, and family. The book was written at a time when the industrial age had created a culture in which money and hard labor seemed to rule every facet of society. Holidays had been all but eliminated. Men worked 12 hours a day, six days a week. Children were often put to work in factories at the age of eight or nine. No one had time to stop for even a moment to examine the wonder of life much less reflect on the birth of the Savior. With Scrooge representing the common thinking of almost all industrialists of the time in both England and the United States, a Christmas carol made people take a second look at their values. Yeah, um, never thought about it. Yeah, and, so, uh, I, I just think that's so cool, and uh, we need to take a look at it again today. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny how um, the United States even is different because um, last year I had a guest speaker uh, in our classes. One of my students, her parents are from Mexico. Okay. 
and we studied uh, Christmas in Mexico. And she came in, and she spent a whole hour just talking to us about Christmas traditions in Mexico. But the biggest takeaway I got from her and just from studying about it all these years, now I'm just talking about Mexico now, maybe not other Latin America, but I, I think it pertains to most Latin American countries. Our focus, and I know I'm generalizing here, and this isn't everybody, but I feel like many people in the United States, the focus is the presence. And, yeah. Oh, you know, family and presence and material stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people are fed up with Christmas being uh, materialized, you know. But anyway, the big, the big takeaway from her was faith and family are the focus in most Latin American countries, okay? Mm-hmm. Faith and family. She said the kids, yeah, they might get a small – she said they might get, especially in the poorer regions where they're, she was from – she mm-hmm. said they'd be lucky if they got one or two little toys. And she said small. She said, I'm not talking like big doll houses or whatever. She said, I'm talking mm-hmm. like a little whistle or right. like a small little doll. Mm-hmm. You know, she said one or two presents per kid was like a big deal. Yeah. And I thought, wow, just think of it's, the mounds and mounds of presents that our kids open at Christmas. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because I am, I, I feel like I lament the fact the the fact that we that is it is so commercialized like it it truly grieves me but at the same time i feel pressure to buy mm-hmm. my kids lots of things because i don't want them to feel left out you know what i'm saying right I feel like, or feel like oh uh, i didn't get anything i loved or whatever right. and like and your kids they come to expect it and then and you, you almost feel like oh if i don't get them stuff it, i don't love them which that's not true right uh, not true, there definitely you, is a pressure that our society. Society, because yeah. you get. Well, what did you get for Christmas? What did you get? You know, right? They're going to go back to school, yeah. and yeah. Their, their friends are naming off twenty things they got. Mm-hmm. And then you, you don't want your kid going, oh, well, I got you know a shirt and some shoes or whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I know. I, it's, um, I know, and it, and I I know, and it's. I'm trying to do better, and I'm constantly talking to my kids about, you know, what the what the focus should be. But even as adults, I guess my point is, even as adults, sometimes I find myself doing the same. I feel like a hypocrite. I'm doing the same things that I'm criticizing others for doing, you know. Yeah. But, well, my husband was watching Christmas with the Cranks earlier. <laughs> okay. I've only seen parts of it, but you know, the I don't I don't know if you've ever seen it with Tim Allen, but uh, and Jamie Curtis. <laughs> Yes, yes, I have seen that. Yeah. But they just say, "Hey, we're going to forget Christmas. Mm-hmm. We're going to go on a cruise. Like, forget the stress, forget the decorations, forget the cooking, forget the family. We're just have a stress free and yeah, go on a cruise." I, I do and remember. Like, that. You know what? Mm-hmm. That's a great. I mean, other. That's what my husband and I were saying. You know, that we should do that one year. Just, but the difference would be know, you, you would still focus on your phone around or not, but it's cutting out a lot. Just oh, okay. Can you hear know. it now? Okay. Yeah, but it's been cutting out a lot. So. Okay. Ooh, okay. Well, my point is, I think that's a great idea. I think maybe one year just to pick, just to get away. But the difference would be while you're away to focus on Christ's birth and reading scripture and really mm-hmm. meditating on what the day's about. I'm not saying go off and have a cruise, but I'm just saying I think it might be good to just one year, no decorations, no 
presence. No, just really focus on the meaning of the day, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, because I've caught myself on many Christmases at the end of the day. You know, I'm tired. We've been with family all day. The, the house was a mess. And I'll think, wow, I haven't thought about, I haven't thought about Jesus one time today or his birth or, you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, one, one thing I like to do is I have the movie The Nativity. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's a really good movie, and I, I try to watch it every year, and it really kind of helps me put things back in perspective, you know. i tell you, we watched, this weekend, we watched The Star, and I think you oh. maybe want to tell us about it, the cartoon. Yes, that's a very good, and I don't remember, was it with the camels and their... Yes, there's a little burro named Bo. Yes. That is a great movie. Yes, I was going to plug that movie so big because I think Mm -hmm. you're the one that told us about it, and we watched Mm -hmm. it, and then we just watched it again this weekend. And if anyone's out there listening and you've never seen this movie called The Star, I think Mm -hmm. that's what it's called, uh, The Little Donkey. And, oh, my gosh, even though it's a cartoon, it was powerful. Yeah, I remember watching it and thinking, I cannot believe how moved I am by this movie mm-hmm. that's a cartoon. I was so moved by it. It was very powerful and moving. Yes. And it was just so cool, the perspective and the things that might could have happened yeah, uh, with Mary and Joseph. I remember it, like the details of it. I, I do remember being moved by it. So where did you guys find it? So it? it's on Netflix right now, I think. Oh, it is. Good. I'm pretty sure. And I told Olivia and Jeff, because we all, well, Jeff fell asleep during it. <laughs> he was Uh-oh. so tired. That's but funny. I told Olivia, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I said, well, don't say someone fell asleep during it. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, he's just tired. But I told Olivia, yep. I said, this is one of the best Christmas movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, it's going to be a tradition. I said, we watched it last year and this year. I said, I think we should make this a family tradition that we watch this movie every single year. And she was all excited. Oh, yeah, 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 because she loved it, too. So what's funny is I don't really remember a lot about it, but I do remember they, they looked at it from per, some perspectives that made me think, oh, cool, that's really cool to look at something that way. Or Yes. If the little donkey was in captivity and he was like a grain, like he had to uh, go round and round the grindstone or wherever it's called to make the... Oh, yes, yeah. And then he escapes and he ends up being the donkey that Mary rides into uh, Bethlehem on. Yes. And he he wanted to ride with the royal caravan and be someone important and do something great. But then when he had the chance, he turned around and went back. It's like, no, I can't. Mary's been good to me. She's been nice to me. I'm going to be faithful to her, and little did he know he was going to be part of a royal story. Oh, and, that's, okay, I remember now. Yeah, and okay. of course there's some action. There's some mean dogs and a mean guy because Herod is, you know, sends out people to kill. You know, kill the kill them, get rid of them. You know, he mm-hmm. hears the three the three wise men come, and you know their camels are real funny, and they all have different personalities. That's and, right. Yeah. And, <laughs> Perspective of the animals that yes, were. Yes, it's very, yeah, the yeah. three camels have their own story with the Magi. And mm-hmm. then Herod sends out this big brute to kill uh, baby Jesus when he's born. He's got these two mean dogs. And there's just oh. a lot of animals involved. Okay, I remember now. Okay. Okay, so we definitely recommend The Star and as well as tra- uh, Traditions of Stories Behind uh, Traditions of Christmas by Ace Collins. So, um, yeah, uh, we will, and we've, and Joy and I discussed this before uh, the podcast, but 
we are going to go ahead and pick a few of the traditions within the book and just do a few more, a couple more podcasts during December. Who knows how many we'll do? We'll just, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, if you're interested in this, you know, and you want to hear some of the stories behind the traditions of Christmas, you know, how these traditions came to be and some, just some discussions kind of like what we did tonight, stay tuned and uh, we'll be bringing some of those uh, for you in the near future. So Joy, got yeah. anything else for us? Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to read about some of these traditions and stories behind stuff that we just take for granted and do every year and don't even question it. So uh, I'm excited, and I hope we get a few in before Christmas, uh, before Christmas is here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, all right. Well, um, it's good to be back. I really miss doing these podcasts, and um, we will see you next time on Twin Talk.